Glenn, can you present your... Now, this is your lady who came up to five years. Okay, the patient is age 64 now, and she presented in December of 2001 with a 2.7 centimeter infiltrating ductal carcinoma, intermediate grade, ERPR both strongly positive, and HER2 zero by IHC. One sentinel node was grossly positive, and the other 19 axillary nodes removed were negative. She has no family history of breast cancer, but both her mother and her sister developed uterine carcinoma at age 60. She had taken continuous hormone replacement therapy for 11 years prior to the diagnosis of her breast cancer for severe menopausal symptoms. She was treated with a modified radical mastectomy and immediate reconstruction, followed by FEC 100 for six cycles, and has been on an AI since that time. She remains free of disease, but has mild arthralgias, loss of libido, and intermittent uterine bleeding, prompting two DNCs, both showing no tumor. She's approaching her five years on the AI and is questioning what to do after that. What's been the time sequence of the arthralgias? When did they start? Did they get better or worse? What happened? With the AI. Right from the beginning? Yeah. And then they sort of plateaued out? Yeah. How, They've been very mild. They've been very mild. No medication required? What's been going on with her bone density? Normal. Throughout. Hi. Can you comment on the issue? Obviously, we're going to look at this in clinical trials. The NSABP has trial B42 looking at continuing or stopping. And also the issue of bone and bone monitoring and what you took away from ASCO in terms of what happens to bone over time with AIs? Yeah, so this is the great question I think we're all faced with. And I would say I don't know the answer. You know, we thought the tamoxifen story early on, you know, we did two versus five and five was better. I think most of us, at least I did, Sandy's probably was shrewder, but thought 10 would certainly be better than five. And son of a gun, I think the best data we have, it's not, and maybe even a little worse. So even though this is a different mechanism of action, I'm a little nervous about the 10 years. Now, this is a node-positive patient, and she's still going to remain at risk for a long time for recurrence. I would kind of tell a patient like this I didn't know. I'd be willing to do it. I would tell them about the trial. I would be willing to continue these drugs. You always think, should we try tamoxifen now? But we don't know the answer. There are some trials looking at shorter runs of aromatase inhibitors followed by TAM. Would I be critical if someone did that at five? Probably not because it's not an unreasonable idea, but I might probably leave her on the AI at this point. Would you be concerned about the strong family history of uterine cancer in the use of tamoxifen at this point? Probably not, because I think you can monitor people very well, and it doesn't ring a bell of any genetic problem with uterine cancer and the breast cancer there. It wouldn't scare me that way, the uterine cancer. What about bone mineral density yeah. monitoring? There were some data that came out of the attack trial yeah. suggesting maybe if they started out like this woman normal, they don't need yeah. a bone mineral density every year. What are your thoughts? So I think the data, the big picture data, was that if you went into an AI and you had normal bone density, that about half the patients got osteopenia within a five-year period, but virtually none got osteoporosis, so they didn't get those T-scores of minus 2.5. ASCO guidelines suggest doing bone density yearly, but of course Medicare won't pay for them yearly, so it's always a problem because they're not that cheap. So I don't think the bone health is a major issue. 
have a personal experience. We're going to write it up with ASCO just using plain oral bisphosphonates you know, in patients who had osteopenia or osteoporosis. And we have like 25 patients mixed all that osteopenia or osteoporosis and putting them on either Fosamax or Actinel or currently more people are coming in with Beneva from the advertising. We've had like two of those 25 have a major subsequent bone loss. So I think we can take care of the bone density. I'm more concerned about the arthralgia myalgia and the vaginal dryness and other symptoms. I think the killers in the patients I see are the arthralgia myalgia. And I think a lot of women tolerate it and would never take these drugs because they have cancer that they're taking the drug for. But I think if it wasn't cancer, they wouldn't be willing to do it. And my experience is when it's really bad, I've had no success with anything. You know, I've tried all the NSAIDs, chondroitin sulfate. To me, it hasn't worked. Occasionally, I'll change someone from, let's say, exemestane to a competitive AI, either letrozole or anastrozole. My gut feeling that fails most of the time. I've done it the other way to exemestane. I think it fails most of the time. Usually, they stop these. They feel well in two to three weeks. Most of the pain goes away. And so I think that's a miserable symptom. And in some of the reports now out of the community, which I think may be more accurate because it's a larger group of patients, not on the trials, you're seeing 5 to 10% of patients who are either discontinuing the drugs for this. And then the other symptom I think is terrible is the vaginal dryness. And for a lot of women, whether they're sexually active or not, some of them get vaginal bleeding from the atrophy. Others' intercourse is extremely painful. And I think that's a major problem. And there's a recent paper looking at Vagifem tablets that's published by the Brits showing that even at those low maintenance doses, they absorbed enough estradiol to totally counteract the benefit of AIs. The estradiol levels you measure in your hospital that I measure in my hospital are much crude assays. So they can't look at the very low levels that were done in some of these trials, which are done by ELISA and specialized techniques. So those preparations, Vagifem, I haven't seen any data on E-string, but I'll bet that's going to look the same. So I have found this is a miserable complication and a great problem to deal with for many women. Sandy, how do you approach the issue of what to do at five years, and how do you approach bone mineral density monitoring? I think the issue with the five years and the B14 or the tamoxifen study are very different than they are here with the AIs. And as we all know, in B14, the 5 versus 10 did show a disease-free survival the difference with the 10 years being worse than the five years. We have other data that's pending from the Atlas and Adam trials in Europe, and there's some hint that maybe longer is better, though they discussed this at the Oxford overview, and it's certainly not corroborated yet. So, Were either of you there, incidentally? I was. Yeah, because that was the hint, the flavor that came out. I couldn't quite figure out what they presented but people came away saying, hmm, maybe 10 is going to be better than 5. Is that the way you came away? I did, but... What's that going to mean? Well, what is it going to mean? It's going to mean that you could give tamoxifen longer if you wanted to, but I think the train's already left the station, and people are going to be using AIs in any case How because are we of the beef? toxicity issues, because of the... PEs and I was just potential thinking more strokes. from a science perspective, how are we now going to explain B14? Well, B14 also was a smaller study than Atlas or Adam, and it was some patients that were registered, so it may just have been a fluke. Also, longer follow-up. I don't know what the longer follow-up is right now. It may show some difference from what the original report was. I just think it will be an amazing commentary if that, in fact, happens. When did we actually abandon continuing beyond what 
10 years ago? It was when that study was published. So our practice for the last 10 years then theoretically has been guided by something that may not have been correct. That's very true. And I think that's the point that the investigators from Atlas and Adam do bring out. Well, they were always Richard Pito and all were raising hell. I remember the 2000 consensus conference saying, you know, you've shut the door on longer tamoxifen. As you say right now, maybe it's not relevant, but just kind of interesting historically. So I think in getting back to that, the AIs are estrogen withdrawal, whereas we all know that tamoxifen has an estrogen agonist effect. So if you have any worsening of the effect, if B14 were correct, then you have a different mechanism of action. So I am not so concerned about continuing the AIs beyond five years as far as that's concerned. I don't think we're going to see an increased recurrence rate. I do agree with High that the vaginal dryness and those symptoms, the arthralgias, which are probably due to estrogen withdrawal, are very problematic. However, in this patient that you described that has a normal bone density that's doing well, it seems to be tolerating these arthralgias. Usually they'll tell you if they're not tolerating. I mean, you take them off pretty quickly in that first year. I would agree if she weren't able to go on a clinical trial with a positive node, with the fact that we talked about before that most of the recurrences or more of the recurrences will be later on in patients with ER-positive tumors, I would agree with continuing it for another five years. And as far as the bone density, highest correct, the patients with a normal bone mineral density developed osteopenia, not osteoporosis. So I would agree with that. I usually get the bone mineral densities once a year, once every other year, depending on, I don't know what the insurance issues are for getting it paid for every other year. But Medicare will do every other year. Yeah, but they, I think that's reasonable because it's a pretty long, you know, it's not a, that long time. Dr. Barbara? Does bone mineral density ever influence your use of an AI versus tamoxifen in a postmenopausal woman? If you see someone, and I generally get a bone density before I start hormonal therapy, if someone is osteoporotic, not osteopenia, but osteoporotic, do you say, well, the advantage of an AI is small, I'm going to go to tamoxifen? I think that's a very reasonable way to look at it because, as you know, most of the studies don't have a survival benefit yet with AIs versus tamoxifen, and the disease-free survival benefit's only 1% or 2% in most of the studies. So I think it would be very reasonable to start tamoxifen if the patient isn't at high risk for having some kind of clot or stroke or something like that. I have done that, definitely, if someone's already osteoporotic. Dr. Weintraub? In the women that are on an AI, have you used yearly Zometa to prevent or to deal with the osteopenia osteoporosis. Now, Medicare is permitting in Medicare patients once a year Zometa in patients with osteoporosis now. I've actually done that in patients. I think we, getting to the whole issue of bisphosphonates and ONJ that we're seeing now, I think we're giving it way too often. Right. You know, at least I'm giving it way too often. I'm rethinking that. I've been giving it every four weeks, which in I don't know what people... Disease. In metastatic disease. Right. Just to give a background. I think that the giving it in the situation where it's adjuvant or preventing osteoporosis or actually not prevention, usually it's patients who have either osteopenia or osteoporosis already, I have definitely given it. I think it's very reasonable to do that. It may be a better way to do it in general in metastatic disease to give it once every six months. Len, can you just follow up on what you think you're going to do with this woman? She'll probably continue on her AI. Dr. Friedman? It was about the cardiac effects of the AI. Are we going to see more of it as we get from year five to year 10? Do you think, think the, only, the only trial in which there was a real cardiac signal was in the big trial with letrozole comparing it to tamoxifen with an increase in the severe cardiac events. 
I think we might be. I think we definitely need to pay attention to that. It may be something, you know, with tamoxifen, we didn't see the uterine cancer or the clots early on when we were using it, but then we did after thousands of women received it. So I think we do need to pay attention to it, and it is a concern when we're continuing patients on it for 10 years or so. How do you think there's a signal there, or do you think this could be just not having the benefit of tamoxifen? Do you think tamoxifen actually does anything? I mean, this is like the Vioxx controversy and testing Vioxx against other NSAIDs and saying, well, the reason Vioxx is worse is because the other NSAIDs are really better. So I think the trial that's most helpful is the MA17 trial, which is the letrozole after five years of tamoxifen, which has about 5,000 patients. And if you look at cardiac toxicity in that trial, so now you're comparing against the placebo, it's about 5.5% events. It's identical for both groups. Now, that being said, I think we need to be very careful in following up all our patients on AIs over the years to come. Because although postmenopausal estradiol levels may be 10 to 15% of pre, that level of estrogen may be very important physiologically. So driving those levels down to nothing for 15 years or so, we need to have good data here so we don't get burned. So although I'm not as worried about the five-year data is somewhat reassuring, like Sandy, we've got to pay a lot of attention to that and keep meticulous data because we may be paying dues in other areas. We know that hormone replacement therapy doesn't really improve cognitive function. I think the women's health study showed that. But we don't know if depleting your estradiol levels from a low physiologic level to zero might have other adverse effects, vascular elasticity, which is probably what you were implying, the other effects. So I think we need to be meticulous on these data because they're so widely used. And Neil, you asked about, is tamoxifen just holding things at bay and really preventing cardiac disease? I think that that is one theory that's been proposed, but the thing against that is the other studies don't show For example, the ATAC study, they're exactly the same. The MA17 study, they're the same. So I don't think that that's the answer. I think it could be a signal. I want to actually go from Farber to Farber here. Dr. Farber, 